All right, good morning. I'm going to sound our chimes and let you just drop into the silence together for a wee bit of time. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very in the silence, in the quiet. I just invite you to feel your heartbeat. There is a presence, there's a, a force, an energy, a vibration that animates each and every life. It is alive. It is eternal. It is love, beauty, truth. Our true self. Eternal. One with that collective one. To stand in oneness together. To just breathe in this moment deeply presencing ourselves and that awareness the quiet the reactive mind the busy mind and just settle into the nothingness to surrender to the mystery and so in this grounded state of order this grounded way of being I affirm and know that that one life is my life. That one experience, that one source finds me here and now, awakens within me here and now. And so I give thanks. I give thanks for the, all the blessings that have brought us together today, the resources, the opportunity, the challenges that have, have shaped 
our resilience. Our past, which has brought us to and created something beautiful, an opportunity in this moment for a new idea and a new possibility to take dominion over our memorized ways of being and reacting and to realize that perhaps they no longer serve me. Whatever it may be at whatever level. Or it is unique and beautiful and always, always providing what it is we need in each moment if we're paying attention. And so I celebrate our paying attention today. I know that we come together in, in spiritual community to be reminded and to be grounded and to be resourced and to build a greater trust of possibility and opportunity. A state of groundedness. And so I give thanks this day for all the beautiful resources that allow us to celebrate spirituality, to give birth to it, and to know that we are always right where we need to be. There is nothing to fear. Nothing. Nothing can diminish the truth of who and what we are. So standing in that grace, that opportunity, and that beauty, I give thanks. I invite you to say with me, and so it is. So this month has been a month to focus on love because February is a month of love. It's that month of Valentine's, and I'm sure you had spectacular Valentine's experiences last week, or didn't, but... Yeah, it, it went by. It was a card-buying opportunity, I know that. And so as you walked in today with that in mind, you know, we have a banner placed at the front door and it says, it says, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome here. Everyone belongs. And we are all, all of us, whether we're aware of it or not, we are part of and connected to a larger life force. We are connected to something that we cannot escape. Even the, the most ardent atheist and, and, the, and the most adamant uh, materialist will argue, but it doesn't deny the reality because there's a, there's a force that animates all of life. And so when we talk about welcoming people and that everyone belongs, it's not just about welcoming you to the environment, not just welcoming you into the community, but it's a welcome to that presence as well. And it's an idea of belonging to ourselves. Poet David White has written this beautiful book of poetry. It's called The House of Belonging. And so how can we belong more and more? Because I believe when we belong more and more to that, everything changes. It just does. But it's a mystery as well. It truly requires faith. And so when you come in here today to, to, to realize that this is our spiritual community, this is a, an opportunity along your journey of the spiritual oasis. Everyone is welcome. I have a picture of nature always wears the colors of spirit. Nature always wears the colors of spirit. So what does that mean? Nature always wears the colors of spirit. But if we think about nature, nature is always in its purest form, always grounded. It's always real. There's a, there's a tactile and a, 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 a connection we can make. You know, so many of us, our temple, our, our sanctuary is somewhere in nature, a picture we have of something beautiful in nature. And so nature is always that which it is. It never tries to be anything other than what it is. To be alive in that awareness, a world that works for everyone, we talk about that a bit, we give lip service to that. But that world is made up of individuals whose lives are alive with the, with the awareness and the presence of spirit. That's really what a world that works for everyone is. That there's something more than just 
this material world, there's a possibility, there's an opportunity. See, and the beautiful thing about nature is that there's an order there, there's a groundedness there. It's uncluttered. It's just clean, unless we've got our hands on it, you know, and, and littered it up. But nature in its purest sense is always clean. Even the debris and the things that, are, that have fallen off the branches on the ground becomes a, a blanket of possibility and opportunity that over time is transformed. So when we have uncluttered space at home or in our spiritual community, when we just calm things down, it helps us connect. So we welcome people in the door. Why? Because what we want to be able to do is, is say, we're not here to tell you what to do or what, what to think. We may suggest how to think in a different way, offer a different perspective, but really the opportunity is for us to connect with ourselves in an uncluttered, orderly space. And so we've, we've taken that theme and we've looked at our environment here and, and time to maybe just ground ourselves and let our space breathe a bit. I want you to just take a moment, look up at our ceiling. Have you ever taken that ceiling in? Such a beautiful thing. I love our ceiling. I had the same ceiling in the little church I started out with in California. It was the same thing. It was about a miniature version of this. It was about 50%. But that ceiling is, that is nature up there. Those were trees that stood in a forest at one time. And they did their thing and they grew and then they were harvested. And then they were repurposed and they've been up there since 1953. They do have new insulation shingles on them, thanks to all of you, by the way. But, but so they have given their lives in a sense, not that they have that type of consciousness to be repurposed. So it's not one tree up there, it's, it's hundreds of trees. And it's such a beautiful thing to look up at. It's such a work of art and the height and it, it's sort of majestic. That's why cathedrals are built that way. It lifts us up. In spirit. It's beauty, but it reflects nature. It reminds us of the perfection in spirit. The perfection of you and I. Despite your good opinions of who you are and that you feel you, you deserve some punishment or arbitrary uh, judgment about yourself, that's just your ideas. But the, the nature of us, the reality of our truth of being is one of perfection. And that perfection lives in us. It's who we are. So, we want to invite people to come to our spiritual home and make it your spiritual home. A place where you can feel grounded. A place where you can walk in and connect. To be comfortable enough to put down the busyness of your life and your busy mind to connect with something bigger and more lovely than your habits and your routines. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. And we're going to continue to to make subtle and and meaningful changes to help with that theme of connecting and making this an irresistible, life-enhancing experience when you come in the door. Over time, we're gonna have, we're gonna look at how we can have you when you come in the door. If you're looking for a cup of coffee, it's available to you even before first service. And to sit and relax and just make peace with what is. I have a number of people that come to me, man, I couldn't believe you guys serve coffee during service. Sure, why not? Well, well, I don't know if we're gonna serve you coffee. You might have to walk back and (laughs) You might still have to walk back and get a cup of coffee, but you know what I mean. So you'll notice along the walls we've placed values. We've placed values up there because values and qualities. And Alicia did such a beautiful job in our early meditation today because she spoke to that. Which one of these values do you stand for? Because what we want to be able to do is have a clarity so when people walk in, we had our, 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 our banners up for a long time and love the banners, we still have them. 
But the banners were certain people, and people would come in, new people would come in, and many times they'd say, what's up with these people? You know, where's, where's this and this and this, and why do you have Oprah, and why do you have John Lennon? And they said, well, we don't worship John Lennon, we don't worship Oprah, but they, they're some of our heroes, you know, they, they made a difference in the world. But it's really about qualities, it's really about the quality of being. What do I stand for? Which one of these can I latch on to? What is my theme personally this year? And they will change and shift over time, and it'll be organic because you'll inform that and spirit will inform that. So it's just another way of sort of up-leveling it and not getting pigeonholed or creating confusion because it can be a distraction. And we're here to eliminate distraction so we can come home to ourselves. Beautiful quote by uh, Reverend Dr. Michael Beckwith. We are on the planet to be and express divine love of God. That is alive in every fiber of our being, waiting to be released through us onto our world. Living as love is a way of life that brings heaven on earth. We're here, heaven on earth, as above, so below. Dr. Beckwith has a, just like our community, same, same principles, we stand upon the same principles of, of this divinity. We are here to be an expression of divine love, of God. And it is alive in every fiber of our being, but it requires our invitation, it requires our uh, awareness cars are knowing and for many people that's a challenge and so we're here to help people ease into that in a way that perhaps it won't be such a challenge and all of a sudden that can become a habitual way of being to love that and honor that sometimes as this next slide says we're, we never notice the beauty because we're too busy trying to create it and, and I think it's just a shift in perception to realize that when you walk in and all of a sudden you look at the ceiling in a new way and you look at the beautiful brick that's been standing here since 1953 and you see the beauty in it and the simplicity and the groundedness of it because it's right there where we are we see one another in new ways our significant other you know yesterday I was in here and I was working away and doing some things and and I get a knock at the door and we're never open on Saturday for the most part and it's knocking and banging on the door and finally who the heck is out there Here's this little old lady, and I know she's a, she was at least 90 years young. And, she, and I said, what would you, can I help you? She says, yeah, I want to know what you guys do in here. And she had this very thick, kind of Swiss-German type accent. I didn't ask her, but, but, so I brought her in. I dropped everything. I said, come on, sit down, we'll talk. And I'll tell you. And someone said, somebody put this in my mailbox, and it was one of our calendars, our monthly calendars. And she said, I want to take the foundations class. And I said, well, that started six weeks ago, so you can't just drop in today, but, but it's great that you want to know. And, and, uh, and so I said, well, tell me about it. How did you get over here? And she said, I took a cab. I took a cab from the, from the uh, care home I live in. I said, well, good for you. And so we talked for about 20 minutes here, and I told her how we approach spirituality. She says, I like that. And she said, what's up with the drums and all the instruments there? Does it get really loud in here? And I said, oh, no, never, never. <laughs> So um, we had this beautiful conversation and we connected. And for me, it was very lovely because I could just feel my mother's presence, you know, having my mom just uh, passed away a few months ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. And then she said, well, can you call me a cab to get back home? And I said, well, I tell you what, I have a cab right out back. I'll give you a ride home. <laughs> so I gave her a ride home. I know where she lives. And any of you guys that live on the other side of the river there, I, maybe you can give her a ride some Sunday here called it that but it was just lovely and I thought there's no accidents I mean can you imagine someone so determined to want to connect spiritually that they take a cab here on a Saturday with no guarantee anyone would be here 
And one of the few Saturdays I'm actually in this room, if I'm here, I'm typically down the hall. I just thought, wow, look at the, look at the, the joy and the, and the synchronicity in that. But I think that that, that, spirit, that spirit is already uh, present. So today I want to just focus on three things very, very uh, succinctly and clearly. One is the, a victorious attitude, which is inspired by Dr. Ernest Holmes, uh, one of his quotes that he wrote in 365 Days of the Science of Mind. Um, the soul's nature, the second one being the soul's true nature is love awakening, because this is the month of love, and the proof is in the doing. So those simple little things. So the first piece, the first idea, a victorious attitude, as I said, is inspired by Dr. Holmes, where he said, a victorious attitude is the one that recognizes the unlimited power of God. Without this awareness, no one can be victorious over the negatives of life. Those who live without spiritual vision are forever trying to solve their problems by manipulating their human minds and exerting their human wills. He continues in this quote, which I don't have up there, but what this ends up doing, as he says, is it ends up exhausting us, frustrating us, and giving us no peace. The recognition of God as cause and as the creative power of this world brings victory to the soul. So when we get that, when we embody that idea, when we can come through the door and and belong to ourselves and sit in the quietude and the mystery and belong to ourselves, it's the soul's victory. But it seems so counterintuitive to the busyness. Even the busyness is that one slide set of creating the beauty. So busy creating the beauty, we forget to look around and see the beauty that's right there. And the subtleties of this and the wisdom of this are just so beautiful. He continues, it does this because all problems begin and end with the individual's own consciousness. Every problem that we have begins with our own consciousness. That's the good news, that's the challenging news. We are as miserable or as creative and free as we decide to be. And it's easier said than done. We begin to solve our problems at the point of origin when we're awake in our consciousness. We start catching ourselves sooner than later and realizing, wait, I'm going off the rails here. That's life's wisdom. We find the inner security which comes from knowing that God's idea in us are now giving us correct instructions in the way we should go. So what's mine to do? What's mine to know here? And when we get a, we're more familiar with sitting in and belonging to the true self that loves awakening, we have a better opportunity. And we start trusting ourselves more and more and more. Soul's true nature is love awakening. Soul's true nature is love's awakening. So, you know, that God is love. We've heard that one a number of times. I've certainly heard it and said it a number of times. But soul's true nature is love awakening. The soul is the source of truth and love. That's why you've heard me talking about soul over and over again because that soul is where, where the juice is. If you try to avoid it, truth and love will not increase in your life. So, once again, ignoring the soul, love and truth will not increase. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it's not available, it doesn't mean it's, not, it's denied, it's just simply that when we're avoiding it, it has no place to show up. Truth and love will not increase in your life if you're avoiding and if you will cooperate, your life will be organized with the help of infinite power and intelligence as it flows from God. And it's progressive, it's gradual. It takes time. So the practice is... You know, Dr. Holmes said, and all the great teachers, he wasn't the first one, but he realized that the first place is to heal the separation. There's one life, that life is spirit's life. You know, and, and, and a quality, working with a quality is so important. Values. 
when our lives are value-based, it is powerful. So what is your value for you that is non-negotiable? I have been working with the idea with my um, releasing prayer. I have a releasing prayer I work with every day. The affirmation that I place on my releasing prayer now is that Jesus Christ and I are one. Now, I say that not from my personality, but from my soul. And Jesus Christ does not represent a personality to me or a reactive mind. It is a state of grace. The Christed consciousness that Paul wrote from and that so many great people have understand. The Christed consciousness. All the way with that. But it's taken me years because that stuff, I was force-fed that stuff for years and I didn't appreciate it. I'm not going to accept that. Stop telling me that because so much of it was punitive. I get it. People were just clumsy and, and didn't know how to impart it in a way. And they certainly weren't living from it. They certainly weren't modeling it which then became my reason why it was, it was worthless because they weren't living it, so why should I? And now all these years later, I've gone full circle with it. I, I remember my dad coming to the Fillmore Church. You know, he didn't know what I, my family still doesn't know what I do. They think I made up my own religion and this is what I do every Sunday. <laughs> every time I talk to him, yeah, he's up in Canada. He's got his own church. He made up his own religion. I, we don't know what he's doing. Thank you, for, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> That's true, actually. Um, <laughs> but I remember my dad, he came and I did the talk. You know, my mom and dad were coming for the first time. And, you know, I get up and I do my talk. And, and my dad was just kind of glazed over at the end of it, standing in the back. And he just looked at me and says, you know, when I have a rough day, he said, I just say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, three times. And I'm all better. And I said, okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> and I'm finding myself doing the same thing now, so... <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> I thought he was crazy. He knew I was crazy. And now we're using the same affirmation. So. But it's a quality. It's an essence. And, he, I, and I think for him, it, it did provide relief. It did provide relief. So the soul's nature is love awakening. The soul's true nature is that love awakening. We can delay our soul's evolution and emergence and fulfillment, but we will never escape its call. It's inevitable, man. It's taken us there. It really is. It's that thing that animates us when we get lost and struggling in life. Every mind is on a soul's journey. Every mind is on a soul's journey from the most radical and entrenched to the most liberal and, 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 and free-spirited. But everyone is animated. It's part of who we are. We can't escape it. The soul is always pulling at us. It's a force field and it's inescapable. The journey only happens in awareness. So if we block out awareness, we impede the progress. But if we pay attention, we build momentum. So we build momentum by turning towards it and looking towards it. Simple practices. I'll talk about those in a moment. No one can resist the soul forever. Saints and sinners are on the same path. You may think they aren't, but they are. Everyone is on that path. Some knowingly and some building momentum. The soul is the source of truth and love. If we try to avoid it, truth and love will not increase in your life. And if you cooperate, your life will be organized with the help of infinite power and intelligence as it flows from God. There it is again. External action still counts. Outer activity either helps or detracts. And you know that. You know what? I went to the, I got up real early. We had some guests last night and we didn't have food for them this morning. So I got up real early and went to the grocery store. I got there at 6.20. They don't open until 7. So I wish you guys would have told me that. 
So I went to 7-Eleven and I handed out toonies to all the guys hanging out looking for change. I thought, okay, here, what would St. Francis do if he were here? He'd hand out toonies. So I'm handing out change and got a cup of coffee, went over, listened to the radio, listened to the Christian radio for half an hour. It was lovely. I love their music. And uh, I went in and got the food. So I got the food and, I, and there were a bag of apples that I thought, oh, I hadn't paid for the apples. And I said, I'm not doing this. For $2.63, I am not selling my soul. So I'm all in the car. Everything's packed. I get the apples. I take them back. I said, you know, I don't think I paid for these. The guy said, well, good for you. I said, no, no, no listen, man, this is important. I don't want anything that's not mine. So I paid the $2.63. I go back, get in the car, drive home. I get out the two receipts. I had paid for the apples. So now they owe me $2.63. <laughs> What's up with that? Where was God in that? God, did I pay for these? No, you didn't. But Obviously, I was not hearing the voice, so Save on Foods is into me for 263 right now, but they deserve it. I'm glad they're there. So outer activity, as I mentioned, either helps or detracts. So how many people here actually believe that, that your attitude, your belief system, and your consciousness actually affect your life? Anybody? Yeah, like, yeah, just about everybody. Jody? You putting your hand up? Oh, sweet. She didn't put her hand up, but I know she believes that. But we know that, right? I mean, that's just common sense. And so, so we know that if we, that what we take to our lives has an effect or it doesn't. And so what I'd like to say about this, about soul's development and the characteristics of our soul's purpose being fulfilled, it'll either happen with or without our cooperation. And so one of the ways that we can accelerate that cooperation, that we can build momentum, is using practices in our lives that send the message. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for new. I'm ready for possibility. So, as I said, we, and you've, you've uh, attest to, you believe that, that practices and, and, and things that you do in your life, that your, your attitude affects your life. So how many of you, just let me give you this scenario, get up every morning and you use the same fingers to turn off the alarm clock or your smartphone that you set as your alarm. If you set an alarm, you, you reach up, it's usually in the same, it's on the nightstand, either on your left or your right or wherever, if you have a nightstand, I'm assuming you do. And you slide out of bed the same way, you put your same slippers on your feet, you put on your bathrobe, you move to the bathroom, you have a ritual there, or you go down and make a cup of coffee first or whatever you do, but it's pretty much the same. And then you go and you take your shower and you put your clothes on and typically you put the same leg in first and the same sock on the same foot. And then you get into your car and you drive to your work on the same route for the most part and you go in there and you spend eight or ten hours with the same people that trigger you every time they say something over and over again. You have the same experience all day long and you're suppressing things you want to say or you're saying things that you've been waiting years to say but whatever it is, you're there in that environment with that consciousness. You've got a routine in your job and then you drive home the same way. You have your five or six favorite meals, you make one of those, or you stop and have something to eat, but there's a certain pattern in your life. And then you come home and you read, or you watch television, or you listen to YouTube, or you immerse yourself like so many of you do with five or six hours of meditation each evening. But what I know is that there's a routine there. And then you get back into your bed and you set your alarm, and you, at about the same time, same temperature in the house that you know is good to sleep with. So, and, and how many people have a pattern close to that here? Yeah. And so then we wonder why newness doesn't show up in our lives. So how do we do this in a way that's effective and breaks up some of that pattern? Because the way that we wake it up 
is we shake it up. And so the first service, I said, how about just start by holding your toothbrush in the, the non-dominant hand when you brush your teeth? I thought that was a foolproof, no arguments, no pushback on that. I had a dental hygienist that confronted me as she was leaving today and said, that's a very bad idea because you don't get all the tough spots you should be getting. <laughs> I said, can I use that at the next talk? But the point being is, is that what happens when we break the routines, we break the patterns, we send a message to ourselves. We start to break up some of those habitual patterns. You know, Joe Dispenza, I love his work. He'll say that when you find yourself going down the same path again, you stop yourself and just say, change, change, change. I've made an agreement to change, change, change. And it, and it breaks up that, that linear neural pathway that is part of habit. And so what are the little things that we can do on the go that really help break that pattern? And, I, and, and to ask that open-ended question and to be available to that. So maybe when you go home today, if you drove, you spin around the, the church in an opposite direction before you actually go home. If I see you going through the alley, I'll wave at you. I'll be out there pretty, pretty quick. But, but something that breaks the pattern of the repetition and the habit. And it's those little things, because what I know is powerful is all of a sudden we're sending a message to ourselves, I'm ready for new. I'm ready for a different opportunity. I'm ready for a different experience. Someone came in yesterday to help me put posters up, put, put the new pictures up, and said, you know, I missed that, that banner with John Lennon. I used to sit in the John Lennon row. And I thought, good point, good point. I said, now you're sitting in the resiliency row. But isn't it interesting, and it's one of the things about spiritual practice to notice where we become attached or we have a habit or we become addicted to something. It's got to be a certain way. And it's, just, and it's just mindfulness. It's just a practice to realize, okay, I'm ready for new. I'm ready for something that's different. I'm ready for, I'm available to something that's possible. So one of the things that we started this month in terms of taking action, because Dr. Holmes said, and I, I think I, I missed the quote, and I want to just back up. He, says the, he said, the proof is in the doing. The one th it's one thing to know a principle. It's another to apply it. It's one thing to know it, and it's another to apply it. And I would suggest to you, it doesn't require wholesale change. It just requires some mindfulness throughout the day and doing things in a different way and having moments of meditation, having moments of affirmative prayer, having an affirmation in your life that's new and fresh. Having a spiritual practice that's different. You know, they say that all the time. The, the great teachers always say, break up and, and mix up your spiritual practice. Otherwise, it becomes just another habit and a routine. The one of the things, I love this last slide. To continue to climb mountains, one must continually descend back into the valleys. If, man, we all, there's something for all of us to do. And our soul, see, that's our soul. Our soul knows that. Every great person who has ever made a difference upon this planet, and I'm not, whether we know them or not, I mean grandparents and fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts and people that have blessed our lives in some meaningful way. Every person and the ones that are in the history books, every one of them got a hold of a, an, a vision captured them that they worked with. And they didn't give up. And they created something beautiful that blessed all of us. And it's, it's just the way life works. So when we're climbing that, when we're moving in that direction, that mountain, or that it seems impossible, because what we're here for, the God's honest truth, this is the Sunday talk, you get this, you can go home. We'll wait till after the offering, then you can go home. <laughs> we are here to make the impossible possible. 
And that's what these men have done with a great idea. And when they climbed the mountain, what they did is they went back to base camp. They went back to base camp where they got renewed and they had a meal and they warmed up to try, try the next ascent. Sir Edmund Hillary, when he climbed uh, Mount Everest, and he tr- had made attempt after attempt after attempt, and every time he failed, he would look at the mountain before he left to go back to Australia. He'd say, you know, mountain, you're not getting any bigger, but I'm going to be back here next year, and I will be bigger. And he literally climbed that mountain eventually. So it wasn't about it's impossible. It was going to make the impossible possible. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful knowing. So with that in mind, we began this month with um, putting out these chocolates. We put out these Hershey's Kisses. And we said, these are going to be the placebos this month. These are our sugar pills. Because what we know about placebo and sugar pill is, and and this is in uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, You Are the Placebo. You and I are the placebo. Why is it that some people will take a sugar pill or they'll take a saline injection and have a healing? And others not. And so what we invited you to do is pray on this and think about a quality. Think about something that you want to experience, something you want to uh, have more of in your life and allow this to be that touchstone for you. Allow this sugar pill to be your placebo because your body, there's an infinite intelligence within you that does know. And allow this to be a trigger. And you can do this all the time. Now, I put out 300 of these two weeks ago. We're down to about 240 right now. So I know that some of you have been going ahead and taking these placebos prior to our um, agreed day. So I do question the, the level of integrity within this community. But it is understood. Sometimes it's just irresistible. So this is just a metaphor because anything we do can be the placebo. We are powerful beyond measure. We are here to give birth to the impossible within our lives. Joe, Joe Dispenza tells a story about a man. There's a remarkable stuff they're doing now with his work. And they are actually going in and measuring. They're measuring results. Uh, measuring uh, uh, through brain scans and through blood pressure and things that are shifting and changing. And he just tells these amazing things happening because he's teaching people how to access that genius within to shift and change conditions out here. But it's all from within. And so if you don't have anything in mind specifically, allow this to just guide you that this does know something, that there's an intelligence there. It's really a metaphor to say, I don't know, but something within me does know. And as I collaborate with this, as I bless this and pray over it, it has everything I need for my next experience, my next knowing. So I'm going to invite Mitch. He's going to play a little tune back here. And we're going to invite you to come on up. And they're in the two baskets here. And pick up your placebo for... um, in celebration of love this month, your Hershey's kiss. There's more over here on my left than there is on the right for some reason, but plenty. especially blessed for you. You're very welcome. If you know somebody at home that could use a little placebo, you have them. You can take an extra one with you. We got plenty.
Beautiful. I want to share with you a beautiful quote by Pierre Tillard de Chardin. And he wrote this. This is from the Beloved Community by uh, Jim Lockhart. He said, There's almost a sensual longing for communion with others who have a large vision. The immense fulfillment of the friendship between those engaged in furthering the evolution of consciousness has a quality impossible to describe. I found that this morning and I thought, you know what, that's one of the things that just makes being part of an awake and aware growing community and consciousness so irresistible. And that's why I think it is so beautiful that we create the opportunity where we can come here together and be reminded we do belong. And it's our opportunity to give birth to a victorious attitude. That our lives and and to partner collectively with one another to give birth to and make the impossible possible. It's really why we're here. It's such a, a beautiful thing. It is such a worthy endeavor and to give birth to the soul in a new way and to live in the, in the groundedness and the assurance and the faith and the trust and the love and the beauty, you know, and to be that, that difference, not in... In the, that it has to be announced to the world but it's announced to us within ourselves that we not only take the principles that we talk about but we apply them in our lives and never doubt when we do something significant and powerful it, the difference it makes it sends a ripple there is enough love in this room for the entire world we sing that every Sunday and it's true and so as we reveal more of the love we have, we have eternity to do it and not one second to waste. So thank you for being part of that. Thank you for praying with me whenever you thought, thought about your Hershey's kiss. It was a prayer of possibility and opportunity. One of the things I love about the John of God experience is the reason that so many miraculous things happen is because of the, con- the container of love that everyone makes. So as we are a container of love, the healing, the revealing of the next possibility blossoms and becomes not just theoretical, it becomes a practical. It, it shows up in form. So bless you. Thank you. So it is.